Good morning. My name is Pam Canty, and I'm a member of the South Charlotte Community Group. This morning's reading is from John 21, 1 through 19. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon people heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land and they saw a, a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples, was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church family. Good morning to those that are watching on the live stream or at home. My name is Derek Crawford. I'm the executive pastor here at Christ Central Church. Notice I said executive pastor. 
which means preaching is not something I normally do. I'm usually a behind-the-scenes type of guy. We have teaching pastors who do this most of the time, very talented ones at that, like Pastor Josh, and of course, our senior pastor, Howard Brown, who's on sabbatical. It's also been a joy to have uh, Pastor Amari, Dr. Entz, Pastor Tom Henry a few weeks ago, Pastor Charles and Pastor Drew, our brothers at West Charlotte Church, and a few others to come up to share the uh, pulpit with uh, these past few weeks. Today, I counted a joy and a pleasure and an honor to bring you a word from the Lord. But I want to be honest with you. I'm anxious. It's been a tough week for me. With someone who struggles with Crohn's and anxiety, it's been a real long week. I want to be good. I want you guys to leave today saying that dude was outstanding. He was amazing. He should do this more often. He's gifted. That boy good. That boy good. I know that's not the right heart posture. And as you will learn today, I don't always have the right heart posture. But in my heart of hearts, deep down inside, I want to lift up the king, our savior, the Christ. I want to point you guys to him. That is my hope and my prayer today. That's actually my hope and my prayer for our church. Everything that we do should point to him. Now, you know, usually when we have a guest preacher, Pastor Josh comes up here and he gives, you know, the, you know, he gives all the accolades of the guys before or the guys that's coming up before they come up. He's not here to do that today, so I got to talk about myself for a little bit. Some of y'all don't know me, so, you know, I got to give you a background on myself. Um, born and raised in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia. You'll hear a little twang here and there. You go, that ain't the way you're supposed to say that word, Derek. It is where we come from. Okay. I met my wife, Dari, there while working at the local Foot Locker. God had her walk right into my life. <laughs> Guys, she is truly a gift to me and our family. I thank God for you every single day. I majored in sports management at a small college called Shepherd University. And I started working for the Washington football team right out of college. No booze, good, you guys can stay. I worked there from 1999. Brad, you could have woo-hooed or something. Made you a uh, Washington football team fan? Uh, I started working for them right out of college from 1999 to 2010. I was let go in 2010. At the time I was let go, I was the director of football of operations. There's a testimony there. And if you go on our YouTube page, you can see my full testimony about when uh, I lost our job. I'll just give you a little snippet. We were on food, stamp, food stamps and unemployment at that time. Okay? And then you can go see the rest of it there. Dari and I got married in 2003. We have two children. Dwayne, who is 22, is with us today. He majors in football and sports management at Liberty University. And Deja, who's 15, she loves sports too, and she loves performing. If you've been around her, she'll perform for you. Don't worry. You've got to warm up to her, though. Uh, we moved to Charlotte in 2011. We came down here to run Coach Joe Gibbs' ministry called Game Plan for Life. We have attended Christ Central since 2011. I think we came, became members in 2012. And about four years ago, 
I accepted the position to become the executive pastor here at Christ Central Church. I still do work for Game Plan for Life on my off days from the church. I enjoy sports, working out with the family. We do family workouts. Justin Jordan comes over and works out with us. Uh, woodworking, Justin's part of the family. That's why I call it family workouts. My brother from another mother. Um, woodworking. And I'm currently in the process of restoring a 1965 Chevy Impala. When I say I'm restoring it, of course, there's an expert that's helping me do it. Um, I'm basically the financier. Uh, but my mom had that 65 Chevy since 1966, so she was the second owner. Now, the Lord just revealed something to me, like, as I'm sitting here saying this, maybe I should start a GoFundMe. It's a restoration project, you know. If you want to be restored, okay, then, no, I'm just kidding. We ain't that type of church. Let me tell you a little bit more about myself. I know I've missed the mark. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a messed up son, and I've messed up as a son. Sorry, mom and dad. Brother, Lisa and Amber, I'll try to do better. I'll text y'all more often. I promise I will. I may even call y'all. As a friend, Mr. Mark, I might not text you enough. I might not come when you need me. Father, Dwayne and Deja, y'all going to need counseling. <laughs> and a husband, we already do counseling. I'm just keeping it real. I have denied Christ many times. I've looked for other saviors in the storm. I've tried to fix things on my own. I've tried to fix other people's problems on my own. I wanted to be their savior, and I wanted to be my own savior. I've fallen short day after day, but God. He has called me to ministry, and I believe he's called all of us to some sort of ministry as well. So will you go on a ride with me today and see what the, see what the king has in store for us? Y'all ready? I don't know if I'm ready, but let me pray. Holy Spirit, I need you. We need you. And I ask that we get out of the way and let you come in this place and open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, and let everything that I say today be what you want me to say. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Um, when I started working, as I told you, I work for the Washington football team. Every year we would travel to New York to play the hated New York Giants. I shouldn't say hate. There's two teams I like, dislike. It's the Giants and the Cowboys. No Giants or Cowboy fans here today, right? You can spot them when you come in, you know. <laughs> Almost every time we went to New York, we had the same person do our chapel service. His name was Bill Page. Part of Bill's testimony, just a little snippet on Bill, is he uh, was divorced and then remarried his wife from whom he was divorced. Church through on Bill is he wasn't always living for the Lord. Bill, like me, though, likes to have fun, and he likes to be serious about what he needs to be serious about. The fun thing Bill would do when he would speak to us was he would go, look at your neighbor and say, okay? Now, I know we're not that type of church where we're usually verbal when we, you know, someone's up here preaching, but again, I told you I like to have fun, see what's going on today. So, we're going to do that in honor of Bill today. We're going to do a couple of 
Look at your neighbor and say, y'all ready to practice? Look at your neighbor and say, I better stay awake today. <laughs> That's right. Today we find ourselves in John 21. You saw one of the main characters there is Peter. Well, I guess he's the main character other than our Savior. But Peter, Peter, Peter. Let me recap, you, recap a little bit for you about Peter up to this point. Peter is the guy in Matthew 14 who had the faith to walk on water one second and then become afraid, took his eyes off Jesus, and started to sink the next. Every time we take our eyes off Jesus, we start to sink. After that, in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Pastor Josh just preached on this, but let me just be clear here real quick. That's the ultimate question, y'all. Who do you say Jesus, Yeshua, is? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Is he just a good teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he someone I put on the shelf for six days a week and take him off the shelf on Sundays? Is he that genie in the bottle? I want this. Let me rub it. I want my 65 Chevy Impala restored. Let me rub it. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered with, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Amen, right? Upon that rock, I will build my church. Good answer, Peter. Peter looks like he's on his way, right? Like he's doing good. Then in Matthew 16, 21, Jesus talked about how he would die and then be raised back up. Peter stands up in verse 22 and says, I won't let this happen to you, Lord. Paraphrasing a little bit there. Jesus responds with, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your things on God, but on things of man. Now let us fast forward to John 18, where Peter denies Jesus three times. Not once, not twice, but this brother denied Jesus three times. First, it was to a servant girl, girl who asked him if he was with Jesus. Nope. I don't know this dude. It was the servant girl. Who's she going to tell? And nope. Then Jesus warned himself outside. He was asked two more times if he knew Jesus. Peter denied it. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. He even cussed one of the times. Darn it. I said, I don't know him. Look at your neighbor and say, dang, Peter. That's a good job, y'all. Good job. One, other, one of the other gospel tells us at this point, Jesus turned over and looked at Peter. You ever got that look from somebody? I was at the table one day eating, eating lunch with, uh, at, at Redskin Park, and uh, one of the players said, hey, why don't you go ask Coach if, you, if we can probably usually something to do with practice. They always wanted to get out of practice. Players don't like to practice, okay, in football. They want, probably didn't want to put the pads on. Hey, Dad, go ask Coach if we don't have to wear pads today. I said, I ain't getting a look from Coach. Coach Gibbs has this way of looking at you, right? And, and I said, I ain't getting the look. He goes, oh, I know all about the look. What kind of look do you think Jesus gave Peter that day? You think it was a look of, you think it was a look of, 
He got that look. Peter remembered the words of the Lord. You will deny me three times before the rooster crows. He went and wept bitterly, the scriptures say. That was a very hard experience for Peter. There are stories that tell us that in years to come, people would bug Peter, would make the sound of a rooster crowing whenever they would see him, constantly being reminded of his failure. It's terrible how people, we take advantage of the weakness or the failures of a person and try to hold them down rather than lift them up. Hey, there goes Peter. How many times have we done that? Pile on rather than build up. Look at your neighbor and say, let's lift each other up. Amen. This brings us to the text we will look at today in John 21. There are three things I want us to see from this text. I know you guys love points. I'll give you three points. Yeshua loves us by pursuing us. Yeshua loves us by confronting us. And Yeshua loves us by redeeming us. He loves us by pursuing us. Our King loves us by confronting us. Our Savior loves us by redeeming us. Let's look at John 21.1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two, and two others of his disciples were there. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. Then they went out and got in the boat, but that night they called nothing. Look how Peter ran back to what he knew. When Jesus called him to ministry, Peter was called to be a fisher of men. Not a fisherman anymore, but he ran back. How many times in our lives have we ran from Jesus? Went back to what we are comfortable with or went back to what we uh, used to do? How many of us are running right now? Peter felt shame, guilt, failure, and sorrow. He walked with the one whom he thought was the king for three years. Day and night, he saw all the signs, all the miracles, all the wonders. Paralytics got up and walked. Dead people were brought back to life. But as soon as things didn't go like he planned, or thought they were going to go, he ran back to being a fisherman. What are you and I running to when we see things not going, the, going our way or the way we think they should? Is it pornography, sex, drugs, alcohol, gossip? Those are the most known. Are we running to video games? You know, we got Fortnite, Call of Duty, NBA 2K, Madden, games on our phones, Candy Crush. I used to be addicted to that. Do we escape to Facebook, TikTok, IG, Twitter? Do we go to Fox News or CNN and think, hey, they think like me? Let me just go hear what they got to say so I can be in my safe space. Some of us run to people that sing, sing us praises rather than those that are always accountable. The list can go on and on. I'm guilty of all this, y'all. Anyone else? Do you see yourselves as Peter running? I have to put a note right here. 
I'm not saying playing video games, social media, or watching the news is a sin or wrong. But if we are running there or to something else instead of the Messiah, if we are running to a news source or a political or politics, guys, don't let politics influence your faith. Rather, let your faith influence your politics. Then we have a problem. End of note. For me, I can bury myself in work. For six of the 12 years, I worked for the Washington Redskins. Oh, Washington football team, sorry. I didn't come home the most of August. Asked my family. That was training camp. I usually was away 22 to 26 straight days. I worked seven days a week from August to January. I started work at 7 a.m. Probably didn't come home till 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Depends on what night it was. And I didn't come home one night a week because we traveled. That's what I knew. And sometimes even today, I can run back to work or projects. My life would be a lot easier if I just ran to him. Look at verse 3 again. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I know it's fishing, but fishing, that's my West Virginia twang coming out. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Peter is a natural leader, y'all. You'll see that in the book of Acts or you go forward and learn more about Peter's life. Probably a high deal on one of those personality scales. Peter said he was going fishing and all the disciples that were with him followed. They probably would have followed Peter anywhere he went. Peter could have set the tone. He could have run to God and what God had called for him. If you hang around me enough, you'll know that my favorite all-time athlete is Michael Jordan. Look at your neighbor and say, MJ's a goat. D. D. <laughs> On the court, MJ always set the tone. If you watch the greatest documentary of all time, The Last Dance, yes, D.A. meant that, you would have seen that on display, whether it was in practice or the game. MJ led. He led his team to six championships. I've seen that in my life where I haven't led well. Like Peter showed here in verse 3, and it affected everyone around me. If I come home in a stank mood, guess what? The whole house becomes a stank mood. On the flip side, I've seen where I've led well. I have a great attitude. I let us in a Bible study or a prayer. Or if I just give a soft answer when things get tense. You know, Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. The whole house is in a great mood. It's a great time. But I've also put some gasoline on the fire and I've caused a blow up. I am Peter. I'm hard-headed. But let's look and see what God does in verse 4. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? He called them children because that's how they were acting. Acting like they don't know who, God, who the God of this universe is and all his glory. Makes me think. 
how many times God has called me a child. Little Derek, child, please. Come on now, Derek. Why are you anxious? Why are you anxious all week? I got you. Daddy's here. Look how Jesus pursued Peter. Remember, this is the time after Jesus had been crucified, buried. He was in the tomb for three days, and then he arose. But he had not yet ascended to heaven. Obviously, Jesus still had something he needed to do. Here we see in this text, the hound of the Lord had called up to Peter. I remember my youth pastor uh, telling me, this was one, you know, when I was getting ready to come down here to North Carolina. He said, Derek, the hound of the Lord had called up to you. I was about to come down here and start running the ministry. He goes, from the 18 to 22 years old, when you was in college, he goes, I was worried about you. I was running from God. I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I got stories, y'all. I'm sure y'all do too. But God. God kept pursuing me, just like the hound of the Lord right here was pursuing Peter. He still had work for Peter to do. If you have breath in your lungs, one, you are to praise him. Two, he's got work for you to do for his glory. Look at your neighbor and say, he's still got work for you. Getting a little quieter, y'all. Getting a little quieter. He'll never stop pursuing us. Once Jesus gets our attention, he confronts us. Yeshua loves us by confronting us. Look at verse 6. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. Now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. If you recall... Jesus had done this before. It's like he's telling Peter, I'm still the king, you know. Remember. Remember all the, the miracles and everything that you forgot about, what you were running from. So, you know, so let's look at Luke uh, chapter 5. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at, the word, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their, nets, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Peter tried to warn Jesus to let him know he was sinful. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus knew he was sinful. Let's look at our text from today, starting in verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. John always refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came, came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, 
about 100 yards off. 100 yards is a football field. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard it and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And, all the, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Let's look at what Jesus was doing in these verses. Jesus shows up, helps them catch some fish. They had been fishing all night and caught nothing. I don't know if you've ever been fishing and caught nothing. It's very frustrating. Now the king helps them catch 153 fish in a blink of an eye. Peter sees Jesus, puts on his clothes, our, just another side note, our Savior, King Yeshua, the Christ, just hung on the cross naked, humiliated, mocked, beaten, and exposed. I know many pictures, you know, today you see, you see the cloth in that area right there. But I think it's important to tell the whole story, even the part of the story that might be hard to talk about. He was naked on that cross for you and me. Peter didn't want to stand before the Lord naked. He was probably still feeling shame, guilt, and ultimate separation. So he had to cover himself up. But God. But God. In our shame, guilt, and running from the Savior, he is still standing right there with a fish sandwich. Welcome us back in his arms. Peter did nothing to deserve that fish sandwich. Nothing. He did nothing to deserve the Savior serving him. That's crazy to me, y'all. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke this world into existence. He was standing there with a fish sandwich for this dude that just denied him three times and was, a arrogant, was arrogant and a jerk. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for me. You know there's hope for you. Look at Peter, eager to see Jesus, eager to put on his clothes and run to him. I know when I mess up with someone I love, I run from them. I avoid them or stay away for a bit. But when I see them, I try to act nice. I want them to forgive me. Ask my wife. When I know I'm wrong, I'm extra nice. Hold that door open for her, make sure all the dishes are washed. I seek her forgiveness at every opportunity. Oh, and I make sure I'm all cleaned up too. She's probably over here saying amen. Look at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, many of us know this part of the story. Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. Jesus' word here, though for love, is agape. Agape is a deep love that is used for God's divine love. Peter responds with a different type of love, though. Phileo. Phileo means fond of. Jesus asked Peter if he has a deep love for him. Peter responds with, I'm fond of you. Then the king of kings asks him a, a second time. He gives him a second chance. Do you agape me, Peter? I phileo you, Lord. Or do you have a deep love for me, Peter? I'm fond of you. One commentary I read talked about why Peter was hesitant to use the word agape here. As you now know, Peter was always the first to speak up and speak out, and I always got him in trouble. Because of his denial of Jesus and being humbled, Peter is a little hesitant to say he has a deep, deep love for his king. I'm sure he was like, let me not put my foot back in my mouth again right here. Let me just be real with where I am right now in my life. But let me offer you some free advice. Talk less, smile more. No, seriously. If someone significant in your life asks you if you have a deep, deep love for them, I wouldn't follow up with, I'm fond of you. Life is too short, too precious. Okay, that's my side note. Confrontation. Peter is being confronted here by Jesus. Confrontation or confronting someone or being confronted by someone is never fun. Most of us probably avoid it at all costs. I know I do. I don't know if it has really gone well with me, whether I'm being confronted or confronting someone else. Denial, minimization, anger, hurt, fear, and defensiveness all creep in. One of the things that I've been confronted with in my adult life is my anxiety, anger issue, or issues. I struggle with anxiety, as I've said before many times up here. And when my anxiety starts to get high or spiral, it can manifest itself as anger. I would get angry about someone bringing up that I have an anger issue. Quit bringing that up. I don't have an anger issue. I denied that I had a problem, refused to get help, and kept going down a destructive path. I wasn't being confronted for the sake of being confronted. It was so that I could head down a different path, a path that was more beneficial for his kingdom and the people around me. So being confronted of our sin is never a good time. Have you been convicted of something you need to work on? How did you react? How did you react to the person that confronted you? How have you and me responded to God? Did we lose that zeal for him because he confronted us? Did we lose that agape love? that deep love for God because he was showing us our sin. Notice when Jesus asked Peter a third time, Peter became grieved. 
I've done said two times, Lord, I'm fond of you. I become grieved when someone confronts me the first time. But the story for you, me, and Peter does not end there. When Jesus confronts us, he also redeems us. Yeshua loves us by redeeming us. Look at verse 15 again. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Jesus knew Peter and his heart and where he was. He also knows you and me. God knows what all we have done in our lives and why we should be disqualified. We are a mess, but in the hands of the master, you are a masterpiece. Hear me. I don't think you heard me. We all are a mess. You and I are a mess, but in the hands of the master, you are a masterpiece. You may dis feel disqualified because the Lord had told you you are not enough. You are less than. You may feel disqualified because you have been spiritually, physically, or emotionally abused. Some of these abuses may even have come from those we have trusted. Ministries, Christians, Christian men and women. God says, you are a masterpiece. You are my children, co-heirs. Church, Peter, our God is saying, follow me. Our Savior knew Peter better than he knew himself. But he still pursued Peter, Peter, confronted Peter, and now he's redeemed Peter for his glory. Don't you just love how everything in God's word doesn't happen by accident or everything Jesus did doesn't happen by accident? He asked Peter three times if he loves him. The same number of times Peter denied him. So at this same time, he's recommissioning him to get back out there and be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. Christ's love for his people is deep, wide, and never failing. Time and time again, we see how as God's people have rejected him, he don't stop. He keeps pursuing us. His pursuit of Peter recommissions him to get back out there. Look at verse 18 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and another would dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said 
show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Do you guys know how Peter died? He was crucified upside down. He chose to be upside down because Peter did not feel worthy to die in the same posture that his Savior did. I don't know about you, but if I was calling someone to follow me, I probably wouldn't leave with, here's how you're going to die, and it's going to glorify me. I will leave you with, here's the pay, here's the benefits, here's the satisfaction you're going to get by doing this. But God, but God keeps pursuing us, confronting us, and redeeming us. The Messiah came for Peter's heart that day. It always comes down to our heart posture. In this thing called our Christian walk. That day he got Peter's. Peter is redeemed because of the love the Savior poured out on him. Church, he's coming for your heart. Let me close with this. Do you and I love God? Do we love the creator of this universe? The faithful lover of our souls? Think about Lazarus for a second. Y'all remember Lazarus' story? That brother was dead. He was good and dead. Four days dead. He was smelly. Decaying, falling apart, flies all around him, right? Maggots probably crawling through him. Maybe some animals creeped in there. Jesus went to the tomb and called Lazarus by his name and told him to rise. He put him back together. He breathed life back in his lungs. You think Lazarus went on living the life he used to? You think he lived for himself six days and 22 hours of the week and two hours he lived for Christ? I don't think so. He was a living, breathing testimony. This is the same for Peter's life and yours and mine. We were dead because of our sin. We have denied Christ before others. We cheated, betrayed, lost faith, talked highly of ourselves and not of our King. We said we would do one thing, and we go and do another. And the list goes on and on and on. But God, we were smelly and decaying, but Jesus anointed our heads with oil and made us to smell so fresh, so clean. We were falling apart and falling away. Jesus put us back together. And when he denied him, he said, I know you, and I'm willing to die for you. We were dead to sin, but Jesus made us alive, alive in him. According to the text we looked at today, our Savior is asking us if we agape him. Not a fond love, but a deep, deep love. It was that deep, deep love that took him to the cross for you and for me.
One of my favorite lines from my favorite Christian hip-hop song is, he was hung there bleeding, died from Eliza, cheat, molest my greeting. Now, I know some of y'all don't follow hip-hop, so I'll slow it down for, for you for a second. Favorite line in my favorite Christian hip-hop song, it's called Tell the World. It said he hung there bleeding. He died from my lies, my cheating, my lust, and my greeting. Now, it's hard for me to slow that down, but I did it. So no matter what you have done in your lives, no matter what or who has told you you aren't good enough, you aren't smart enough, you aren't Christian enough, you aren't old enough, you aren't young enough, you aren't black enough, you aren't white enough, you aren't Asian enough, you aren't tall enough, you aren't smart enough, you don't have a degree, you don't have this, you're not married, you're not single. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is recommissioning you and me as he did Peter for ministry. Feed his lambs, tend his sheep, feed his sheep. We are redeemed by the blood. We are free and commissioned to go do ministry because of that deep love that King Yeshua has for you and he has for me. It was that deep love that took him to the cross. And by his blood, you are made clean and you are redeemed. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Great God, we just bow before you and say thank you. We thank you for that blood. We thank you for your pursuit. And we thank you for how much you care for your people. Let us honor you and praise you with our walk. Let us honor you and praise you in our ministry for you. Let us honor you and praise you in our lives. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.